Excuses are like butts. We've all got one and they all stink, right? Uh, I, I, was, I was preparing for this message and I uh, was practicing and my kids heard that and tell you what, the next three days, that's the only thing that came out of their mouth. Excuses are like butts. We've all got one and they all stink, right? You two, you guys said that all the time for like three days. So be careful what you repeat in front of your kids. They'll say it over and over again. My, I don't know about you guys, my go-to excuse is just being physically exhausted. Work two jobs, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to be strategy pastor here and also do some home renovation. And man, tell you what, every now and again, I get home and I'm just totally wiped. And my, my go-to response then when I'm totally exhausted is just to watch TV, right? I mean, when I get home, I know, Shay, you mentioned this, it was a little guilt trip, right? I mean, uh, you mentioned this last week. Sometimes I just wanna get home, plop my butt in front of the TV. Like, I don't really care what my kids are doing. Like, I am done. Uh, and honestly, just in full disclosure, our favorite TV show, my favorite, is The Office. Any other Office fans in here? Yeah, right? Uh, uh, so Laura and I, we've probably watched The Office all nine seasons straight through, probably once every 18 months. Okay, so Shay, when you find your stapler in a bowl of jello, you know we've rounded the bend. It's coming around again, right? Uh, I, I, I'm just curious, what, uh, what are your guys' like, excuses? What are the go-to things that you guys primarily go to? And, and I, I see this kind of like four different things, right? There's physical, and I'm gonna ask for like a show of hands. I mean, I just, I just showed my cards. So I'm gonna ask you like, just, in just a minute. So physical, like you know you should be eating healthy and exercising, but you just, there's excuses, right? There's always things coming up. Or, or maybe it's financial. I mean, maybe at New Year's you made a resolution that you're gonna like start building your savings account or start saving for retirement or whatever, uh, and, and it's just not happening. There's always an excuse. You wanna be more generous, but you know, it's just stuff came up. Or, or maybe it's spiritual, right? Maybe you know that like you should be praying every day or you know, you've been coming here a couple weeks and you, you're starting to feel that pull like, maybe I should be reading my Bible even just five minutes a day. But stuff comes up. You just, you just already start your day behind. Uh, or, or maybe it's your time, it's your schedule, right? I mean, maybe you feel like I, I should be taking my spouse out, taking my wife out on a date night every week. And you should, husbands, what? wife, take a date night every week. Or you're like, you should be playing with my kids. I should be going to connect group. But you know what? Like season five, like it's a good one, right? Um, okay. So just by show of hands, how many of you guys would say your primary excuse area is physical? Show of hands. How many? All right. Like two, two, three. Okay. We all have excuses like our butts. Remember they all say, okay. How many of you guys financial, right? How many, show of hands, financial. Okay, so okay, so there's only two or three. So that means most of you guys, how many of you guys are either spiritual? Spiritual, you're, you know you, okay. So then everyone else should be raising your hand, right? Time, right? Yeah, that's right. two hands, I like that. Thanks for your honesty. Um, I, why don't we do the things that we know we should do, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's this series. Why don't we do the things we know we should do? And I'm just gonna go ahead and make an assumption of us that we know the things that we should do and that we know that they are the best for us. Like, I'm pretty convinced that we all know that we should be eating right, that we should be active. I'm pretty sure that all of us know that we should spend less than we make, right? It, we should know that, that, that we should be taking time for the important relationships in our life. So why do we make excuses? Like, why do we settle for lesser things? What, why do we choose the second-rate pleasures of life that only last for a moment? Why? Why? I mean, is it really just as simple as that it's just easier? Is that, is that, is it, real, is that it? Is it just that things are easier? 
As, as I was preparing for this message, the, the question that kept, kept coming across my mind is like, what, what do I give up when I give into my excuses? What do I give up when I give into my excuses? And as I was preparing for this, I came across some statements that I'd love to know if you guys think these are true or not. All right, so this first one, nobody is too busy, it's just a matter of priorities. All right, show of hands, how many of you guys think that that's true? Nobody is too busy, just a matter of priorities. All right, 50-50 split on that one. All right, next one, if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. All right, show of hands. I don't actually wanna raise my hand, I don't wanna be a rat. Okay, um, all right, this, this last one. Americans spend half of their lives in front of screens. How many of you guys think that that is true? And it is actually true. There's a study of over 2,000 people, 2,000 Americans, uh, that was done that, that half, we spend half of our lives in front of screens. Do you guys think maybe there's a connection between like our excuses <laughs> and this? I, I think there might be. Uh, so, so here are just some, some facts that came out of this study. 73% of the people that were, that were polled, that were studied in this, report that looking at screens makes them feel physically tired, mm-hmm. right? And then 64% said that if they spend an extended period of time not looking at screens, they're happier. Mm-hmm. Okay, so okay, th- that probably hits a little too close to home. So I'll stop talking about us and I'll just talk about me, right? Okay, uh, for me, for me, uh, why do I do this? Like, why do I choose the shortcut, the easy route? I, I think for me, it's just being lazy, right? There's times in my life where I'm just like, man, like this is just easier. There's times where I know I should be taking my wife out on a date, where I know I should be playing with my kids, playing Legos. I know Aiden's got some Legos in there. Um, I know that there's times where I should be doing those things, where I should be going outside, like getting to know my neighbors. Like, why do we pull in the driveway and before the car's even off, hit the garage door button? <laughs> like, why do we do that? Like, there's things we know we should do. And I think for me, it's just being lazy. Like, but, you know, honestly, who doesn't want to watch a couple more episodes of The Office, right? Like, right? Right? Can I get an amen to that? Come on now. But here's the rub. Here's the tension between, here's the tension between choosing, like, the easy way, the shortcut, and then choosing, choosing what God intended. Now, now, you might be sitting here and you're like, wait a minute, God, you just brought the... God up. Oh, and maybe for some of you, you're like, I came to church, I expect you to talk about God. Others of you, you might be thinking like, well, I'm just like on this journey trying to figure it out. Like, I don't really know where I stand, like with me and if there even is a God. Uh, check this out, guys. There, wherever you're at on that spectrum, there's this whole portion of scripture that's referred to as wisdom literature. So these are things that, that over experience, over time, have been seen to be true. It, this wisdom literature in Proverbs is kind of like fortune cookies. How many of you guys like fortune cookies? Okay, except that fortune cookies are pretty dumb, aren't they? Like they're super, super ridiculous. Well, in, in this Proverbs, it was written by this guy who was actually really smart. So like Proverbs is kind of like a fortune cookie, uh, but something that's really, really smart. And check this out. There's this guy, this king, Solomon, who is the author of Proverbs. And Solomon, when, when he was becoming king, God came to him and said, I'll grant you one wish. So I'm kind of imagining like the Aladdin scene, right? Where, where he like rubs the lamp, the genie comes up, you get three wishes. And I don't know if God told Solomon what the rules were, because I tell you what, if I was in Solomon's shoes, I'd have been like, can I get three wishes? Right? How many of you guys would have asked for more wishes? 
right? I think all of us would. So I'm guessing God probably told him the rules, right? No multiple wishes and you can't change people, right? So what do you want? What, what do you want? So Solomon, super smart guy, asks for wisdom. And in this wisdom literature, there are, there are so many things, there are so many things that Solomon says when it comes to our excuses and laziness and its impact on our life. Okay, so check this out. Here's what he had to say, this first one. Work hard and become a leader. Be lazy, or wear a forever lazy, and never succeed, right? Work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and never succeed. So here's what I would love for each of us to do. I want you guys to turn to someone next to you, and maybe it's your spouse, someone you came with, or maybe you're like, I don't really wanna talk to them. Okay, I'm gonna talk to a stranger, someone I just met, and I want you for one minute uh, to share about a time when you worked hard and it totally paid off, or a time when you were lazy and it came back to bite you later. So you're gonna have one minute to share that story because I'm sure when, when we read that proverb, something came to mind. I know as soon as I read it, I'm like, got it. Okay, or a time when you were lazy and it came back to bite you. So you're gonna share for one minute and then you're gonna switch, all right? You're gonna have a timer up on the screen. All right, so this is out loud with words, group participation, ready? Turn to your someone next to you, share about that time. Ready, out loud with words, go. Right, guys 10 seconds wrap up that story and then you're gonna switch in 10 seconds all right guys so now it's time for the other person to share again a time when you worked hard and it totally paid off or a time when you were lazy and it came back to bite you all right switch other person ready go guys 10 seconds wrap up that story all right so check this out here's another one of these like super super insightful sayings the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. I, I mean, just by the sheer volume of you guys sharing stories, I'm convinced that none of us would, would struggle to understand that laziness and making excuses, it just doesn't pay off, right? It just doesn't pay off. So let me go back to the question that I asked a few minutes ago. What, what are we giving up 
when we give in to our excuses? What are we giving up when we give in to our excuses? I mean, this, this idea, this question, it really makes me wonder, like, how much for me personally have I sacrificed? How much have I given up when I've given in to those excuses? When I, when I watched another season, <laughs> season, when I watched another episode, an- three more, four, what have I given up when I watched another show, when I overspent and had no margin for generosity, when, when I worked so much and I became so exhausted that I was just run ragged and had nothing left for my family? Because I think that that's the other side to this excuses coin, right? That sometimes for some of us, we don't necessarily struggle with like binge watching The Office. Like Netflix, we don't even have that app or we we don't pay for that subscription. Well, we might pay for it for our children, but we don't actually use, like for some of us, that's not us. For some of us, it's I work two, I work three jobs. Again, I am just run ragged and learning to say no is just something I know for me, like I struggled to learn that early on. I, I remember it was, we were only, Laura and I had only been married like six or seven months at the time. I, I was a youth pastor making like next to nothing because that's what happens when you're a youth pastor. Uh, and Laura was going to graduate school, spending the little money that we weren't making. Uh, and, and so we, we, we had this, this life where I, I thought that I was supposed to say yes to everything. I thought that somehow like that was my job, that somehow I was being more spiritual when, when every time a parent would say, hey, I need to meet with you. I, yeah, of course, of course. Every time a student would say, hey, do you want to go to this game? Or hey, do you want, I thought that I was supposed to say yes at every single turn. And, and I remember uh, standing in our living room in our apartment, it was a candy apple green walls. And I don't know, remember why exactly we painted that color, but candy apple green walls. And I remember standing there and it started off as a discussion. How many of you guys can relate to this? It starts off as a discussion and then moved to an argument right? How many of you guys have been there? You and your spouse, right? Starts off as a, as, a, as a discussion, turns to an argument, and then there's like tears, and we're yelling at each other. Now it's like borderline, like fighting with each other, and, and that's not our relationship. Like we never do. I knew that I had done something terribly wrong, because that wasn't the way we communicated with each other, and I remember standing there, and, then, and through the tears and the yelling, I heard her say something that, that has stuck with me since that day. She said, through the tears, did you marry me or the church? Oh my goodness. Like, that's not the type of husband that I wanted to be. It, that's not the type of father that I wanted to be. And yet that's what she was experiencing. I mean, the, my inability to say no had gotten me into trouble. I had become way too busy. And here's the kicker. Like, we didn't even have kids yet. We didn't even know what being busy was. And then we had kids and we're like, so busy. And we didn't even, I mean, our kids weren't even in school yet. Then our kids went to school. We're like, are you kidding me? We have to go to this meeting and that meeting and take the, like we, and, then, and we didn't even, we don't even have teenagers yet. We don't even, have, how many of you guys have raised teenagers, right? Or either are or, or have. Okay, so I want you right now to either tell me or someone who didn't raise their hand, turn to them and say, you don't even know busy yet. Turn right now. You don't even know busy. Come on, bring it on, bring it on. You don't even know busy yet, right? Here's the thing. Busyness, busyness is a first world problem. Busyness is a first, think about it. It's something we've artificially created because we've convinced ourselves that we and or our children have to be involved in four or five extra things. 
It's something we've artificially created. I mean, think about it. This notion that we have to be involved in this many things, it's not even a conversation that 90% of the world's population, they are, can't even have that conversation. We, we financially put ourselves in a position where we are forced to take on extra jobs, where we're forced to take on extra busyness because we just simply don't follow Dave Ramsey's financial principles, right? Um, we, I mean, think about it. Only, only 10% or less of the entire world's population can even afford to talk about getting a mortgage, much less actually get one. We have artificially put ourselves in this position of being busy. Here's what I've learned through this. I'm as busy as I allow myself to be. I create my own busyness. And busyness is just an excuse. And the reality is I can be busy in all the wrong ways. I can be busy in all the wrong ways. Busyness isn't what I was created for. Busyness isn't what we were created for. Busyness isn't why Jesus died. Busyness isn't why Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, think about it. On the cross 2,000 years ago, Jesus did the real work. I mean, the work that he did is the work that actually matters. And he's the one who got busy. He got busy for us. He did all the work. He accomplished in those moments what our busyness could never accomplish. And I am so, so glad that he didn't make any excuses. This morning, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling like just beat down by the busyness of life, if you're looking for rest, look no further than Jesus. If you're, if you're looking to be able to, you're trying to find in this busyness something that you haven't been able to find, look no further than Jesus. His death, his death means that you've been stamped, paid in full, paid in full. And his resurrection means that you no longer have to be a slave to the tyranny of busyness. You can, you can be free. You can be free simply by placing your trust in Jesus. Even, even right now in your mind, you can say, Jesus, like I, I believe that you died for me. And you can begin this journey of experiencing this life of freedom. If you remember from the brand new series, Shay, Shay was talking about this idea that, that if our version of Christianity isn't characterized by freedom, then we're doing it wrong. So I'd really challenge you. Like, think about this idea that if, if someone is willing to die for you, they are 100% for you. I mean, I don't know about you, but if someone, if someone can predict their own death, and well, actually, you can do enough stupid things and you can predict your own death, right? <laughs> but Jesus, he didn't just predict his own death. He predicted his resurrection. And then he pulled it off. And if someone can predict their own resurrection and pull it off, I'm gonna listen to everything that they have to say. So if Jesus wants us to be free from the tyranny of busyness, from the excuses of our own laziness, if Jesus conquered sin and death and the grave so that we could experience freedom, if so that we could live differently, then what does that life look like? Okay, so there's this guy, there's this guy named John. Now, John spent like every moment just about of Jesus's three-year ministry, he spent walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus. He went on fishing trips with Jesus. I mean, he was camping with Jesus. He did everything, and he recorded something 
that was so incredibly profound, something that Jesus said that I think that if, if, you're, if you're a Jesus follower and you, you've probably heard this before, but I just encourage you to take this in for, for what Jesus would love to say to you this morning. And, and if you're skeptical, I mean, just consider this. Consider that Jesus, who predicted his own resurrection, he knows what he's talking about. And he tells us exactly why it's worth following him, why it's worth listening to the things that he has to say, why it's worth ordering our lives around his teaching. So check this out from John 10.10. 10. This is Jesus speaking. He says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. And I don't know about for you, but for me, as I'm in those seasons of extreme busyness where I know I'm making all kinds of excuses or I'm in those seasons of laziness and I'm making all kinds of excuses, like, isn't that what this feels like? Like, where, where it feels like our life has been zapped for, like, when I've watched way too many TV, like, you start your TV shows at, like, noon and you're like, oh, it's seven o'clock at night. Like, you don't feel better, do you? You feel like your life has been zapped from you, like, to steal and kill and destroy. And I think that that, I think that that is huge. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I choose to overspend, when I choose to ignore my kids, when I, when I choose to not pursue the things that I know God wants me to pursue, I realize in those moments it's just not worth it. So what does Jesus say? What does Jesus say? Check this out. My purpose, so Jesus speaking, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I mean, to me, that sounds incredible. A rich and satisfying life. I mean, okay, if you guys have a heart beating in your chest, when you hear that, you should get excited, right? So if you have a heart beating in your chest, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I want that. I want that, right? Because we have a heart beating in our chest and when we see that, we're like, yeah, who doesn't want a rich and satisfying life? So before we dive into what that means, because we need to define that, let's talk about what it's not. What is it not? The first thing is it's not a life characterized by comfort and pain-free. I mean, th think about this. Jesus had these, these guys, these men and women that were following him. And we know specifically of the disciples um, who they would, every single one of them, those 12 disciples or apostles, they would all say that they lived a rich and satisfying life. They lived the abundant life. They experienced exactly what Jesus promised to his followers. And all of them were tortured and killed. Well, excuse me, John, they tried torturing and killing him. They tortured him, dipped him in burning oil, and then feathered him, like tarred and feathered, and then exiled him to the island of Patmos because they couldn't quite kill him. Right? But they tried with all, and every single one of them would say they lived, they lived the rich satisfying, abundant life. So we know for sure that if they experience it, they, they experience the promises of Jesus, that it's not a life of comfort and pain-free. The second thing that it's not, it's not a promise of prosperity. I, I've personally been in, in context in like third world countries where I've seen believers, I've rubbed shoulders with believers who have next to nothing. And yet they would say that they are experiencing right in that moment, without all of the luxuries and the comforts that we have here, they are experiencing a rich and satisfying, the abundant life. Uh, they, they wouldn't say that they're lacking anything. And yet they don't have what we have. So I'm wondering, like I remember in my early years as I went to, I remember when I was in sixth grade, went to Mexico, went to the, the Baja California Peninsula of Mexico. And I thought, oh, I came back and I mean, being kind of young and immature, came back was like, man, like, I am so blessed because of the things I have. Fast forward, 
you know, 15, 20 years, spent, spent a bit of time in different parts of Africa working side by side, again, with believers in third world countries who, who don't have, a, we, my, my perspective has changed. I, I'm wondering if now the stuff that we have when we get distracted by it, that the enemy is using that to steal and kill and destroy, to prevent us from experiencing this life of abundance, this rich and satisfying life. So we know, we know it's not a promise of prosperity. We also know that it's not a solution from life's hardships. Because I, I've seen so many times in the lives of so many believers when they've walked through diagnosis of cancer, when, when they've gone through the death of a loved one, when, when they've experienced some of the hardest things that life has to offer, that when they've leaned in, when they've, when they've trusted Jesus, that it adds color to their faith. And they, they may be in that season of grief, but man, their, their, their lives can still be filled with joy and richness and satisfaction. So we know, we know just simply from, from seeing through history and from our own experiences that, it's, that, that this rich and satisfying life, it's not these three things. Okay, so practically, what does it look like? What does it look like to live and to experience this rich and satisfying life? And, and this, this question must have been flying around in, in the ancient world. Like as Paul was pastoring and starting churches, this question must have been flying around because he answered this question. Uh, and we see in, in Colossians 3, 23 through 24, which is just simply a letter that Paul wrote to one of the churches that he helped start, super creatively titled, right? I mean, it's the city of Colossae, so they titled it. Colossians. So Colossians 3, 23 through 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So the abundant life the abundant life is characterized by loving and serving one another. And then as a reward, as a bonus, we, we get an inheritance in heaven. So like some of us have already started aggressively saving for retirement, but have we considered aggressively saving for eternity? Because eternity is gonna be exponentially longer than our retirement. And Jesus says here, like the abundant, or Paul says, I think that he's remembering some of the things that John told him about what Jesus said. We'll get to that in a minute, but uh, that the, the abundant life is characterized by loving and serving one another. This is what we are called to do. We are called to love and to serve one another as Jesus loved us. So if I'm reading this right, if I'm reading this right, the secret, the key to experiencing this rich and satisfying life is that in all we do, we're supposed to give everything we have. In all we do, we're supposed to give everything we have. In our marriage, give everything you've got. With your kids, give everything you've got. At your job, give everything everything you've got while you're doing your homework, yes, even your homework, give everything you've got. And the crazy thing is, is like, there's no loopholes in here, right? I mean, Paul closed all the loopholes that may have been found in the temple model, right? There's no loopholes in this. And I, I know for myself, like, it's this idea of in all we're doing, we're supposed to serve the Lord. So that means like, whether you're like cleaning the toilet, right? Whether you're, you're fixing dinner, or shoveling the drive it, which I'm very grateful we're not doing that right now. Like I'm very grateful for the weather warming up. But I remember like, uh, just, was it just a couple weeks ago, right? We got that big snowstorm. And, and I remember like, 
Laura and I, like, we, we had gotten in some arguments, and she did some stuff to me, and that, that I was like, man, like, really? Like, are you serious? And so, like, I'm out there shoveling the driveway, and I had these thoughts running through my mind as I'm shoveling the driveway, like, maybe you'll just, like, leave the snow right behind your van. <laughs> Slippery? I don't care. You don't deserve it. But, like, at the same time, like, if she cooked dinner based on, like, what I deserved, I'd starve, right? So the, the point of this here is that in everything we do, we're not doing it for human masters. We're not doing it to serve other people. Like, that's not why we do what we do. We do that. We serve and love others because of what Jesus did for us. I have to imagine that as Paul is penning these words, that he's probably recalling that conversation with John. You know, John, if you remember from the brand new series, right, as the apostles were, were in the upper room right before Jesus goes to the cross, he gets on his hands and knees, Jesus does, and he washes the feet of the disciples. You guys remember that? He washes the feet of the disciples and he says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And I have to imagine for the next 24 hours that the disciples are thinking, they're like, really, Jesus? Like, that's our call? That's our commission to wop, wash the poop off of other people's feet because they wore sandals and there was animals everywhere? Like, like really? Like, that, like, the last, one of the last things you say, you're going to the cross? Like, that's the, la- really? And then as he's hanging on the cross, it clicks. It's not about just washing their feet. It's giving everything you've got because that's what Jesus did for us. As I have loved you, as Jesus has loved us, so we must love one another. That is the call. That is what Paul is referencing here. Jesus set the standard for serving others. As I have loved you, so you must love one another, meaning 100% sacrificially giving everything I have to one another. So we're not, so we are called, we are called to serve, to, to serve others as unto the Lord. I mean, everything we, sh- everything we do should be done out of this deep-seated heart of gratitude. We can't pay Jesus back for what he did, but we can certainly love others out of that heart of gratitude. As we do this, as we do this, something changes in us. Something incredible happens in our own heart. As we serve as unto the Lord, something happens and we begin to experience this rich and satisfying life. When we give it up, we get it all. When we give up our excuses of being too busy, of just being too lazy, when we give it up, we get it all because that's what we're really looking for, isn't it? We're looking for this life of deep meaning and abundance, this richness, this satisfaction. When we experience that, I mean, that's what we're looking for. When we give it up, we give it all. We get it all. So what are the areas of your life that you tend to make excuses? When, when someone asks you to do something and you're tempted to be like, well, I'm just too busy. I mean, I really wish that we would stop saying I'm too busy. Again, it's a first world problem. And we're called to serve others as unto the Lord. When you're tempted to binge the office, so hopefully it'll be a little longer than 18 months now for Laura and I after I've been preaching this to myself. Um, I trust me, I know the temptation, but I also have experienced this life of abundance, this life of rich, deep satisfaction. So what will you choose? If, if you want to experience this incredible joy, serve your coworkers at every opportunity. If you want to live, if you want to experience this life of deep rich fulfillment, consistently daily love your spouse, give her or him 
everything. Put them first every time. If you want to go to bed every night knowing that you, you have experienced this, this life of incredible satisfaction, be extraordinarily generous with your kids. Play a game with them, not a video game, right? Play a game with them. Go outside, go on a bike ride with them. They so desperately want your time. Give them your undivided attention. If you wanna know, if you wanna know that what you're doing in your life is making an eternal difference, a lasting impact, I mean, it's not too late. Fill out one of these cards. We'd love to get you plugged in here at Gromla. Serving on a team here is one of the ways, one of the ways that you can experience this rich, abundant, satisfying life. I, I just want us together right now, just for a moment, I mean, imagine if, if the nearly 300 of us that are here in this room, imagine if we gave it up and we experienced this rich, abundant life. I mean, imagine if each of us would love and serve others out, out of a deep and sincere love for Jesus. Imagine the difference that that would make in Grand Blanc. I mean, Grand Blanc would be different because of our approach to other people. Let's, let's bring this a little closer. Like, what would it look like in our neighborhood if instead of pulling in the driveway and closing that garage door, what if we left it open? Okay, I mean, maybe when it gets a little nicer, but spring's coming, right? So you can begin applying this like in the next couple of days. Like next week, supposed to be like 50s. Don't close the garage door. Go hang out with your neighbors. Invite them over for dinner. What, what would it look like if instead of giving into our excuses, we, we served and loved our neighbors in the way that Jesus served and loved us? Let's bring it even a little bit closer, a little bit closer. What if we live this way in our families? I mean, the impact for the next two to three generations, it would be this incredible legacy if we lived more fully into who Jesus wants us to be, into this rich and abundant life.